Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a woman who is a motivational speaker, singer, on-air personality, has been featured on every major television network, and appeared on national news shows, including The Today Show, Fox and Friends, NBC Nightly News. She can be heard every Thursday morning on Sirius XM 60s on 6. She is best known for her historic journey to sing the, Nash- the Star-Spangled Banner in all 50 states, a mission she embarked on to honor our brave. Her story is a subject of National Anthem Girl, a documentary by Kelly Filmworks, now streaming on Amazon Prime. It is a pleasure to Welcome Long Island's own Janine Stang to 540 AM Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Janine. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. It's absolutely our pleasure, especially with Veterans Day tomorrow. It's a perfect time for this spot. August 28, 2014, the year in which Francis Scott Key's song turned 200, you completed a two-year journey and became the first person to perform the national anthem in all 50 states. So how do you wake up one morning and say, I want to perform the Star Spangled Banner in all 50 (laughs) states? What was the inspiration behind it? Oh, it wasn't just waking up one morning. Um, It was definitely uh, just the result of wanting to do something uh, to make a difference using the fact that I love to sing the national anthem, and it kind of just evolved. You know, it was just something where one day I did realize that uh, I sang it in a few states and then looked it up to see if there was anybody that ever did it on all 50. So that's kind of how it, it sort of just came about. But it, very, very interesting um, way that, you know, you start to think, well, <clears throat> There's something that no one else has done, so this will be really cool, but you don't realize all the other things that are going to happen as a result, which is all captured in the movie. So (laughs) I don't have to go into too much detail. I don't want to give away the the movie. (laughs) It's interesting to to think that no one's ever done that, and and that kind of shocked me as well. Uh, You performed the National Anthem in high-profile boxing rings, Major League Baseball stadiums, hockey rinks, NASCAR, NFL events, and some less high-profile events as donkey basketball tournaments, car show tents, yep. and even at the yep. center of the universe in an Idaho mining town. How did you go about mapping out the journey, and, and which venue of all the places you've played meant the most to you? Well, I, I mapped it out kind of by saying, if, if I get to one spot, where could I drive? You know, so you fly to one location and then that kind of came about just by trial and error, realizing, like, okay, it's going to be really expensive if I have to fly all these places, um, so how could I kind of, like, have an anchor city? Um, and it was just a lot of phone calls. It was a lot of me emailing or having a conversation with the uh, athletic, uh, you know, athletic directors of colleges, or it was, you know, the uh, field director or entertainment director from some uh, major league sports teams and just telling them what I was trying to do. Um, after I was on national news, it was a lot easier, but in the beginning, people really didn't know what to think. <laughs> you know? um, you're not getting paid to sing the national anthem. They're not paying you to do this. So they're like, you're, you're telling me you want to fly out to this city? Uh, okay, you know, <laughs> sure, you, you could come and sing. <laughs> You know, it's also interesting, of all the places I just mentioned, it's a very diverse list and a very different fan base for each one of those. 
Did you uh-huh. find as a performer that any particular fan base was more into the song than others? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think that just baseball, kind of like it's a summer game, everybody's outside, uh, that seemed to have a pretty good audience. Um, but really, there was nothing that struck me as, oh, geez, this is not, you know, PBR. I sang at a lot of uh, Pro Bowler at those events. Those were uh, very patriotic. Um, just, just, I think a lot of times you would just, it, the energy you put out, the, the crowd feels it, and then it kind of goes back and forth. I always say I look for veterans that are standing in the crowd. You could always tell uh, they are rendering a salute. It's just a certain... Um, looks they have that I always kind of focus on them. So I'm not really kind of like scanning too much uh, when I'm singing that song. It's really interesting because the roots as to why we sing the national anthem before a sporting event can be traced back to the seventh inning stretch of game one of the 1918 World Series in Comiskey Park. The band erupted into the Star Spangled Banner. The Cubs and the Red Sox players all of a sudden turned and faced the center field flagpole, stood at attention. Yeah. The crowd was already on their feet, began to sing along and applauded at the end of the song. So given that positive reaction, the band played the song yeah. during the next two games. And when the series moved to Boston, the Red Sox owner brought the band in, had them play it again, and it, it's remained a constant. Given that, even though you've completed the 50 States quest, would you want to sing a Comiskey or a World Series game, given its connection to the anthem? Of course, yes. I mean, anytime I uh, get to sing it after having done it in all 50 states, there's just, I feel like I can pull from all the different experiences I had. You know, I, I've said this a bunch of times, I'll say it all the time. It's, for me, it's not just, uh, here, here we go again, got to sing this song. Um, you know, and knowing there's nostalgia around something like that, I would love to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the song requires a vocal range that slightly slightly exceeds an octave and a half. It's not an easy song to sing by any means. As a beat reporter, being at rinks and, and baseball fields early, I've seen numerous anthem singers rehearsing in an empty stadium. What are the adjustments you have to make when you sing early before pregame rehearsing and then when the stadium fills up? It does absorb a little bit of the sound, um, uh, you know, but it's sometimes really hard. In some of the stadiums, I've kind of joked and said they kind of heard my first note when I was in my car driving home because of the <laughs> delay. It's so, it, depending on where they place you in the stadium, if they give you in-ear monitors, that could be helpful. Sometimes it's not as helpful. Um, but I think the people ever ask me for advice when you're in a situation like that you really have to train yourself to just basically listen to what is inside of your head and and not trying to hear what you sound like that is when people i think screw up <clears throat> it's interesting the lyrics come from the defense of fort McHenry, a poem written on september 14 1814 by then 35 yep. year old lawyer and amateur poet francis scott key after witnessing the bombardment of Fort McHenry by British ships of the Royal Navy in Baltimore Harbor during the Battle of Baltimore. Uh, He was inspired by the large U.S. flag with 15 stars and stripes, known as the Star-Spangled Banner, flying triumphantly above the fort during the U.S. victory. How much of the history of the anthem and Francis Scott Key did you know prior to embarking? And as you were going on this journey, did you find out interesting facts about it that you had not known? Um, well, I didn't know when I was just had said, oh, I'm going to sing in all 50 states in the beginning. And if you watch the movie, you'll see I was sort of not 
at that point where I was in this pressure cooker of the national anthem is turning 200. I didn't even know how old the song was when I initially did it. You know, for me, it was a way I could use what I felt was my talent to and use my voice to honor our brave. And as I was, I I was in Baltimore when I realized the national anthem was going to turn 200 in just nine months. So it was early 2014. And then I started to learn about it. What was really, really amazing was, uh, after I finished all 50 states, um, I was singing. So I finished on August 28, 2014, but then September 14th, Fort McHenry had asked me uh, to sing because they were doing this huge celebration. It was over 100,000 people in Baltimore. And I was on the train from New York headed to Baltimore, and I got a call from the Coast Guard, and they said, would you uh, like to um, Thing, um, actually, no, it was just, would you like to come aboard Cutter Ibis during the uh, 200th anniversary after you finish at Fort McHenry, you could watch the Blue Angels fly? And I was like, absolutely. So what ended up happening, though, is after I sang at Fort McHenry, I was taken aboard Cutter Ibis by the Coast Guard, and they took me to Star Spangled Buoy. There's an actual buoy that gets dropped in the beginning of the season um, where it marks the approximate location Francis got. He was floating when he saw wow. that our flag was still there. And he's got really good eyesight because it's not very um, – <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty far away. Um, so I ended up getting to sing in his line of sight 200 years to the day, wow. uh, which was uh, gives me chills to think about it even now because um, it could have never been orchestrated. I don't care if I had like five publicists working on something like that. It just happened uh, to be, and I, I kind of say that's what happens when you take chances, when you believe in something that's bigger than yourself and start moving, putting one foot in front of the other. It seems like all these things start to happen. So. Yeah, there was a lot that I didn't know. I actually met some of his relatives when I would go speaking at places. People would be like, hey, I'm a distant relative of, of him and um, things like that. But it, it just is amazing to me to, to know that that song, uh, when people stand and sing that song, you, the hope is that everyone, even though we're all divided in many other ways, that we are united to say we're honoring our veterans. The humans that that have written a blank check saying they give up to and including their lives for our country. Absolutely. Is there a moment when you're singing, is there a particular line in the song that's your favorite or a particular part of the song because of the way it's sung that is your (laughs) your moment in the song? Um, what's funny is people have noticed this and I didn't realize it until people pointed it out that I actually point and when I sing that our flag was still there, I put my hand up and I kind of point. And I, I'm Italian. <laughs> I'm Italian from Long Island. We're expressive. And um, I think for me, to me, knowing what that all means, you know, you're defending a fort, which means if there's a different flag that starts flying, boom, you know, it's over. Game over. And the fact that these men uh, at the time, back in 1814, were giving their lives and to make sure that that didn't happen because it's such a pivotal battle, um, it's like, wow, our flag's still there. And then in my uh, 49th state was Hawaii. I sang Pearl Harbor at the USS Missouri, aboard the USS Missouri. And to think flying above the Arizona, even though it's buried, is our flag still there? Hmm. Um, it's just that common thread is just the camaraderie, and, and it's the, the fact that we can all get behind 
uh, these amazing acts of valor that the, these men and women have done and continue to do. And you've added that to, to it as well, because at the end of each performance, you provided blank cards for attendees to write messages to deployed military and veterans. Why did you choose to incorporate that element into your appearance, and how has that been received? Well, I was doing this whole mission because I wanted to give back. I used to, you know, I lived out in L.A., and for about nine years, I'd always be hearing myself say, you know, when I make it big, then I'll give back. I got really tired of hearing myself say that. Also coming to the, like, realization, like, what actually constitutes making it big? When are you happy with something, you know? So, yeah, I was singing, you know, um, to give back, but what was what I really wanted to do is provide something a little bit more tangible uh, for audience members to attach their gratitude to um, something that they actually wrote and, and it would be delivered. And it was really, really well received. I didn't realize that that would become the moment for me that, in that, like, it was just like, I didn't care about making it big anymore. I was so involved in collecting these thank you notes and then having these moments. I mean, I met 92-year-old World War II veteran who stormed Normandy on D-Day. Gave me such amazing advice to pass along to people. I talk about him wherever I go, speak in corporate events. Anywhere I go, I talk about Cliff. Um, and, and all these things would have never happened if, you know, I didn't have these cards that I just kind of was like, hey, let me just see if I could start collecting these cards. And I didn't realize how well-received it would have been, but I still do things like that. I have something called Janine's Team. Anybody could go to my website, National Anthem Girl, and just go to Join Janine's Team. It's a page, and every month about, I have a different mission where people are still writing cards for veterans um, that I get and deliver them. Uh, so, to different uh, things. So, so it's awesome. lived on. Yeah, that, that's awesome. You know, so many great singers have taken on the anthem, some with huge success, others not so much. Um, aside from your own version, is there a version out there that you just, like, every time you hear it, go, wow, they nailed it? I mean, Whitney Houston, <laughs> you know, he just can't stop. You can't top what she did. I think it was also the timing of it and, um, you know, how it just, you just witnessed a, a huge arena of people all coming together. And that was my goal. This was before any protests were happening. You know, this was in 2014 where I really felt like for 90 seconds we all put our agendas aside and we're united under one cause. And that, if you look at that on YouTube, her video, I mean, it just shows that. So I, I think that's one of the standout ones. For me. Your journey is also the basis of the new Amazon Prime documentary, National Anthem Girl, produced by Kelly Filmworks. You provide the narration as the document, uh, documentary follows your self-financed two-year journey to spread American pride and display gratitude for the brave men and women the anthem represents. <clears throat> After seeing the documentary and having the opportunity to, to step back and reflect mm -hmm. on what you were able to accomplish, what is your takeaway from that, those two years on the road? Well, uh, two things. Number one, I just think there's so much more that can be done. Um, but the second thing is just that, wow, what would have happened if I didn't? You know, and I think that's something we could all stop and ask ourselves. I tell this to audiences, young and old, you're never too young or you're never too old to make a difference. And I think what, what I was really happy that the film captured was this wasn't something, this, the film is not about me. 
you know, it's basically an illustration to say, what can you do? And there's a quote that I always refer to in my talks. It's Theodore Roosevelt. said, do what you can with what you have where you are. And that's what I did. I didn't have a corporate budget behind me. Thankfully, I was able to do some crowdfunding in the middle of it, which raised enough money for me to get towards, you know, to, through to the end. But it's really about challenging ourselves as individuals, not waiting for somebody to hand us something, but say, well, what can I do? You know, what can I do with what I have? <laughs> and then, to, excuse me, and then to see what happens uh, as a result. It's, it's pretty cool. Lastly, it's pretty amazing. For all 50 states, no events were ever canceled or rained out. Oh, but yes, something yes. strange happened at the <laughs> very last event. So can you tell our audience a little bit about that and how you took it as a sign? Yeah. Um, so thankfully, there were no rain-out events. There were a couple that were uh, near misses, but then there was a backup. Um, again, I was on a very, very tight budget. So if somebody had canceled an event... Um, I was out of a flight and everything else, and then we didn't know what was going to happen at the scheduling later on. So, um, yeah, there was. I hate to give it away because I feel like if people go to Amazon Prime and watch that movie, the buildup for it is just so important. Um, I can't do it justice by saying it. All the all I will say is. It's amazing to me that it happened in the 50th state and how it could have, if the timing was just slightly off, we, this could have been a completely different story. Um, and it just, it just wrapped it up like a bow, like a gift, you know, like here it is. Um, and I was so humbled for it to have happened. The one thing I'll say is there were people later on that told me that it was the thing that happened only happened in the vicinity that I was, yeah. and it wasn't even a mile away from anywhere else. Yeah, it's crazy. So. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if I'm yeah. giving you. No, that's fine. That, that, that's a great tease. <laughs> you didn't for want it. to bury so, the lead. There right. So, so where can people see this great documentary? Which, by the way, a portion of the proceeds from the film are being yeah. donated to several organizations whose sole purpose is support of U.S. military personnel, past and present. Yep. Yep, Folds of Honor, um, Operation Gratitude. Every quarter, the film company, which I think is so awesome, is uh, they're donating money uh, from the proceeds uh, to help other uh, nonprofits. So you can go Amazon Prime, just type National Anthem Girl. You can watch it. If you watch it and you like it, write a review. If you don't like it, don't worry about it. Write a review. And then you could also go to AnthemGirlDoc.com, AnthemGirlDoc.com, if you wanted to actually buy the physical DVD. Um, they're also doing screenings. So if there's anyone who has a, a nonprofit or organization that you'd like to have some type of screening event so that you could raise money for your charity, uh, that is the website to go to to get more information for that as well. So um, it's available. It's actually been aired on some cable um, all across the world, actually. I was getting emails from Angola, Australia, um, uh, all over the world uh, it's been seen. But um, to go to Amazon Prime is probably the easiest of all the uh, options. Awesome. Janine Stang, National Anthem Girl, thank you so much for your time tonight. More importantly, thanks for a great project and a great film. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and I just want to say to any veterans out there who are listening, thank you so much for your service and your sacrifice, and happy Veterans Day tomorrow. Couldn't say it any better. Thanks so much. Janine thank Stang, you. National Anthem Girl.